Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning into this special edition of the Nun Report as we enter a new era of the show with our first guest interview. I'm excited to have as our first guest, remote in studio, a guy who is perhaps the biggest taxpayer advocate in the country and definitely the biggest here in Washington State. He's been fighting tirelessly for over 25 years to keep local Washington taxes in check. One might call him the ambassador of the taxpayer, who through his efforts has saved Washington residents over $54 billion. So let's get right down to it and welcome to the show, Tim Iman. Tim, thanks for coming on today. I know you're always busy and I appreciate your time. No, I really appreciate it, Dan. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself as far as um, why did you start getting involved in the initiative process? And um, I mean, what really motivated you to first get started in what it is you do? Well, you know, I'm, uh, you know, born and raised Washington State, so I don't know any other state. So this is just where I'm from. So I just know Washington. I was born and raised in Yakima, which is kind of a small town in the middle of Washington. Went Great Washington. fishing. I'm sorry. Great fishing. Great fishing. That's right. That's right. And then I went and got a business degree over at Washington State University. And for about 10 years, I kind of had a, a small business. And I met my wife, fell in love. And like five years later, I like fell in love again. And I just fell in love with the initiative process and it was i started at the very basic you know i heard about an initiative that was going on in seattle seattle that said we want to have a public vote on whether or not to get build this sports stadium or not 400 million dollars and i made up a cardboard sign went down to green lake which is down in seattle and i just said hey would you like to sign this petition i wasn't a leader of the initiative i wasn't a sponsor i was just a guy who thought you know what there ought to be a public vote on this 400 million and i got like 100 signatures you know no, nothing big deal but it took about three hours but it was really a fun interesting experience well the initiative qualified the voters voted voters voted no we don't want it i remember but a couple months later the legislature said it was a threat to the public health and safety for us to respect the vote of the people. We need to build this stadium anyway. And that was my baptism of fire for the initiative process is that, you know, here we are following the rules, doing all the things they say that we needed to do. Our voice was expressed and they said, no, we know better than you. And that's stuck in my crop literally for the last 25 years. Yeah, and they just—it's almost like they ignore you completely, and they still do because, of course, they know better than us. They're smarter than us. We're just the little plebes down here that, um, you know, are stupid or whatever they happen to think. And um, you know, you see that more and more on a national level. Um, you know, not all states have the ability to to put initiatives on the ballot to to go to a vote for the people. And um, I think what we talked about—you uh, know, twenty-three to twenty-six states, about half of them. You know, just like half the states have common sense about half the states, you know, respect uh, their control of the ballots and taxes that they have. What is an initiative and what's the process that you go through to get one started to the number of you know, the people involved, the way you gather signatures and, and that sort of thing? Just kind of explain a, a quick, you know, elevator pitch to those who don't know. Uh, absolutely. Uh, first thing you have to know is the initiative process brutally difficult. 
really, really hard. But it's made that way because the powers that be don't like it at all because you're allowing the voters to be able to make the decision, not the politicians, not the governor, not the Senate majority leader, not the House speaker. Every vote counts the same. So Jay Inslee's vote, our governor, counts just as much as my vote does. So it's Mm. incredibly egalitarian. Everybody is exactly the same, has the same amount of power. So if you're somebody like Governor Inslee, you hate this process because suddenly you're relegated to being like everybody else. So it really (laughs) is what I've always called kind of the poor man's lobbyist. It is your chance to be able to put an idea on the ballot and allow the people to make the decision themselves. And it boils down to an idea. What's something that I think the voters are really in favor of that the powers that be would be absolutely under no circumstances would ever introduce a bill, let alone pass one that would do this thing. And all the initiatives I've ever been involved with have always been about limiting government's power. So 25 years, done 17 statewide initiatives, lots of local initiatives, but every one of them had the same theme. And that was government has too much power and we need to let the voters have more power. How many people do you think, I mean, with your organization, uh, you have, you, you have a good handle probably on how many people it takes to get involved to do this, including uh, your staff and organizers and attorneys and all of that. And then you have, of course, massive volunteer effort throughout the state to get signatures and stuff. Overall, how many people do you think are involved in a major initiative process? Well, I always laugh whenever I hear about staff. It's like hilarious. You know, it actually (laughs) doesn't work that way. There are no staff. Well, you're Uh, the staff. Yeah, we are the staff. Exactly. The sponsor of the initiative is the guy who wears the janitor's hat, the CEO hat, the the, uh, kitchen cleanup hat. I mean, the truth is you've probably heard the 80-20 rule. 80% Mm -hmm. of the work is done by 20% of the people. Initiative process, it's the 98-2 rule. 98% of the work is done by 2% of the people. You need just a handful of true believers that really are willing to just break their backs to do it. And what an initiative is, is I have an idea. You file an initiative with your idea on it. You then have to go out there and find, in Washington State right now, 400,000 people who are willing to sign a piece of paper that say we should let the voters vote on this one. They only give you about three or four months to collect that many signatures Mm -hmm. in such a short period of time. Brutally, brutally difficult. So there's a reason why there's only a handful of ideas from regular people ever make it to the ballot. Most of the time, it's just the wealthy, uh, the special interests, they're able to buy their way onto the ballot, but a lot of times they don't even need the initiative process. They can just buy off the politicians. So our citizen initiatives, a lot different. So ours limiting government's power, they wouldn't touch that with the 10-foot pole. Yeah, nice. That's a great explanation. I mean, you're the pro at it. So um, two of the, it seems, as I go through your material, and I've lived here in Washington State my whole life too, grew up in Ballard. and um, Main Street's the, Ballard. And two of the exactly two of the, the passions that you see is that I've seen your initiative process or over the years is property taxes and then of course the thirty dollar car tabs, um, and thirty dollar car tabs. I mean that's that's probably what you're most known for. You even got kind of national attention for that to a large extent, and you know it, it's it was great. You know when it finally went through after a few tries, I think it took a few tries, right? Um, 
And I remember paying $30 for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden they found a way to subvert the intent of the voter and take more money from us anyway. Right. Well, uh, and I happen to have, I love props. So this is, this is the original, the original sign that we had for that initiative, 695. But look at the caption, because politicians will never limit taxes. Initiatives, you're almost in a tug of war with all the powers that be, whether it's the courts, the legislature, the governor. They're yanking the rope in favor of higher taxes, more government spending, more government control over your life. And we're trying to yank the rope in the opposite direction. And this was 25 years ago. This is more true today than it's ever been. And and that is the thing that you have to learn, first of all, what the initiative process is. It's not forever. It has a shelf life. You have to be persistent and come back again and again and again. So we coined the phrase permanent offense. We're going to come back every year with an initiative over and over and over again. So $30 car tabs, we did it once. We did it a couple <laughs> years later. We did it twice. And it was a way to almost illustrate how arrogant politicians are because you're, you're didn't we just vote for this? Yeah, but yeah. those dirty dogs down in Olympia didn't listen to us, so we have to do it again. And then uh, 2019, just about three years ago, four years ago, uh, we did it for the third time. And here it was election night, and I was with my 14-year-old daughter, and uh, here she is wearing her $30 tabs t-shirt, all bedazzled, by the way, all sparkled up and everything. And she grabbed my hand and lifted it in victory. And this was the third time the voters had voted for it. The opponents spent $5 million okay. telling everybody, vote no on Tim Iman's $30 tabs initiative. So they made the whole campaign about, you've got to understand, Tim Iman's a really bad guy, so you want to vote against his idea. And I laughed out loud because I said to myself, most voters could care less who the sponsor is. They just don't care. They care what the initiative actually does. Mm -hmm. Let's say they convince everybody that I am a bad guy. Does it make it a bad idea? Not at all. Most voters take their votes very seriously. And initiatives, there's only one or two on the ballot. So you have four or five months, if you qualify, for voters to get comfortable with the idea of it. With this one, it was like, well, wait a minute. I keep voting for it, and the dirty dogs keep taking it away. It didn't take much of a campaign. They spent $5 million saying vote no on it. We didn't have any money at all. We had mm -hmm. zero. So we were out, spent $5 million to zero, and yet we trounced them anyway. And the press was all over us going, why do you think you won? They said, because voters are common sense people who understand that attacking the sponsor has nothing to do with the idea. They could never actually come up with a good reason why you should vote no other than Tim Iman's a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you see it over and over. And so they just decided, okay, well, uh, it's not that they just kept putting fees on. It's like, okay, well, it's not actually part of the tabs. It's part of this. And, you know, the sneaky bastards just kept putting uh, different fees on there and pretty soon I'm paying two three hundred dollars again for tabs and then fortunately we have uh, you and and folks like you and your support people that will go out and get the signatures needed to put it back on the ballot again like you said so um 
and we need to educate people. When we say tabs, we're talking about you register your vehicle in the state of Washington, and mm-hmm. you have to pay a charge for doing that. Now, you already pay a gas tax. You always pay a sales tax. But every year, you to get this little plastic thing on your license plate, they charge you uh, uh, an amount of money. And the original idea was, I think it should be a flat rate $30 for everybody. I don't care what kind of vehicle you drive. I don't care how old it is. I don't care how big it is. Everyone should pay a flat rate $30 to license their vehicle. And it was such a radical idea to treat everyone equally. But an average voter said, well, that seems fairer anyway. That little piece of plastic that you put on a license plate, maybe it costs a nickel to make. Uh, why should why should we have different rates for different people? And yeah, so well, and, really and people revolutionary have, idea. Yeah, and people have already paid the the different rate for value of the vehicle at the time of purchase. So it, it, you know that's already been taken care of. So if you're going to then rate it on the value each and every year, you know, I mean, well, like so many things, it's just double taxation. So it, and it, triple it and quadruple, and because you're paying gas tax, you're paying sales tax, you're paying all these various, And we always talked about that's so funny. You'd mentioned that, Dan. You really nailed it. Is that we've you've already got your pound of flesh out of us. You already got the sales tax. You already got the gas tax. You shouldn't be able to triple tax us with an excessive fee just for owning a vehicle. And that really caught on. And it really was a popular idea. But I was educated on the initiative process where the final word is not the voters. It goes into the court system. And the court system is filled with politicians, too. They may wear black robes, but they're just as political as any other. And ran into this King County judge who said the voters were confused by our initiative. We were confused. Now, I couldn't help but laugh. It's like, wait a minute. You had all the money in the world to convince voters to vote no. And yet by the end of it, you said an initiative about a dollar amount was too confusing for an average voter to be able to understand. I mean, it really insulted voters' intelligence uh, when they did that. But what was really powerful, and the thing I loved about the initiative process, made me fall in love with it even more, was literally that day, the governor, back then a a Democrat, uh, Gary Locke, held a press conference and said, regardless of the court's ruling today, $30 license tabs are here to stay. And within a week, this Democrat-dominated legislature passed into law this lower car tab fee. And that was the power. It wasn't the fact that there was a law mandating they did it. It was the collective voice of the voters telling legislators, this is what we want. Unless you give it to us, then we may come back with 20 or 10 or maybe zero. Uh, And so it really had a powerful impact on me, convincing me that uh, the initiative process isn't just about passing laws. It's essentially lobbying your elected officials for the things that you want. Yeah, and so if you have um, the the yeah the thirty dollar task, man, my mind went sideways, and because I wanted to talk about some other things too, but it, that that was a huge deal, and it really irritates me. So, um, but you explained it really well, and that's uh, that's why I wanted you to come onto the show because I knew that you could explain it much better than I could trying to do a solo show by myself. Um, a couple of the others you've done, you did a, a, a thing on the affirmative action rollback where uh, they, they could not just, um, you know, like uh, is happening nationally now, if you check the right boxes, you're hired, doesn't matter what your qualifications are. Um, you, you, one of the ones that I really liked, which is another one that went completely sideways, is 
for a while to raise any tax in the state voters had it had to go to the voters mm -hmm. to approve tax hikes and now it seems like they just how do they get around that is it do they just declare an emergency or something like that or, or what's the deal uh yeah that's actually a big part of it is that they they uh once said that remember that experience i had where the voters ended up saying no to a sports stadium and yet they built the stadium anyway they declared that sports stadium an emergency well there was obviously a lawsuit and you said you can't with a straight face say it's a threat to the public's health and safety for us to have a sports stadium and the supreme court ruled six to three who are we the judiciary to second guess what the legislature thinks is an emergency mm -hmm. What that effectively did is it made it where the legislature can now essentially immunize various bills from ever being challenged by a citizen, what's called referendum, where you take one of the ideas that they pass and put it on the ballot and let the voters vote on it. If they declared an emergency, your only option is to do a citizen initiative. And an initiative is harder. You have to get twice as many signatures. Uh, it's a really challenging, challenging process, but frankly, it's exactly because it's so difficult, I'm drawn to it. I, I like a challenge. I'd be bored to tears living in Idaho. I'd be bored to tears living in Texas. Everyone agreeing with everybody, with my value system, that's boring as hell. Doing a state like Washington that's purplish, uh, it's frankly, it's a blue state with a big red donut hole kind of in the middle. It's, it's King County, is Seattle area, is very, very blue. Rest of the state's pretty darn red, and really, it's a it's a pretty red state if it wasn't for Seattle. So the challenge of doing an idea where you know you're going to get an 80% no vote out of Seattle, you have to make sure that the rest of the voters are totally on board. And so limits on, you know, like you said, affirmative action, you know, it shouldn't matter what box you check when you get into a university, if you get a government job, if you get a government contract, I don't care what color you are. If you're going to save the taxpayers the most amount of money, you should get the contract. I don't care what color you are. Same thing when it comes to getting into universities. I don't care if the person's Asian, black, Hispanic, white. If they've got the test scores, if they've got the objective talents that they've accumulated, I don't care how the demographics work out. I want the government to treat everyone equally. And so the only way you're ever going to get policies like that is with a citizen initiative because the government's really good at doing divide and conquer. You know, we're going to give favoritism to this group and not to this group. With the initiative process, you can go to everybody in the state and say, you know what, the cool thing about this initiative, it treats everyone equally. And that is yeah. as, as apple pie America as, as any idea you're ever going to find, even in a state like Washington. Yeah, totally, man. And if you... It, it, it just seems it's such an uphill battle and it is frustrating. And, and uh, you've been doing it for 25 years, but you're, you know, you're a business person. You get it. You get the battle. You get the, you get the 80, 20 rule and you've just taken it to a 98, two rule, like you said. And uh, I got to tell you right now, we're going to do something a little weird. This show, I don't know if, if Scott told you is um, we're kind of known for truth, freedom, and weirdness. We've talked some truth and we've talked some, some freedom so far and uh this next topic i'm going to ask you about probably would fall into the weird category and and i've got to ask you about it because i started uh kind of promoting this show and letting people know hey i'm going to be interviewing uh, tim Iman. we're going to talk about the initiative process and, and taxes in washington state and some of the first questions i got 
from people uh, in Messenger and and in Facebook threads was, um, yeah, what about that Office Depot chair? And um, so people asked me about it. And and so because they asked me, I got to ask you, what's the backstory on that? And and uh, I know what finally there was like a fine of one hundred ninety three bucks or some or something like that. But um, obviously that the story of the press in Seattle has pushed and and King County has pushed is not the whole story. So let's hear you. Well, the first thing you have to understand is as a citizen activist, as a political activist, I have a dinosaur skin. I mean, none of this stuff bothers me even in the least because I have the self-confidence of knowing what actually happened. So they show a clip of me taking an office chair out of the lobby, out to my car. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. But what they didn't show is 30 seconds later, me walking back into the store to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So they're really good at taking things out of context because all it takes is five seconds. You know, there's all the pictures of, I see famous people all the time where they're waving at the crowd. They take a photo and it looks like they're doing a Nazi wave. Yeah. And they're really, really good at that kind of stuff. Oh, wait, what what did you just do? Was that a white power symbol? I I saw you hold your fingers together. It could be. It's going to be done that way. So you just got to roll with it. And that's the way it's going to be. But no, honestly, it was like 30 seconds later, I walked back into the store and I end up getting a phone call while I'm standing in line. And yes, I'm one of those pricks that's talking on the phone while I'm checking out. I'm one of those guys and I'm buying $400 worth of printers. And I tell the guy, I also got the chair. He obviously didn't hear me. He rings it up. I'm not paying attention. You know, I'm not getting a receipt. It just gets emailed to me. And so I end up three days later, Office Depot does not call me to say, hey, preferred customer, Tim Iman, there seems to be a thing going on here. You didn't pay for this. I'd say, okay, go ahead and add it on. No, they called the cops. So the whole thing was just so bizarre. But I had a law firm just said, this is so silly. This is so dumb. We're going to take this case pro bono because this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen in our lives. Let me see if I get this straight. He wasn't wearing a hoodie. He wasn't wearing glasses. He wasn't trying to hide his identity. I was wearing a let the voters decide t-shirt on. And I've got this melon head. Well, that was your mistake. (laughs) Yes. I got this Charlie Brown melon head that is so recognizable. It's just not even funny. And to think that I had just testified against some really bad bills down in Olympia. I had to zip up to Office Depot to grab some printers and to get some copying done. And that I didn't want to spring the extra $70 for a for an office chair, but I'd spend 400 for a printer. It literally didn't add up. But if you're the media, all you needed was five seconds. A picture of Tim Iman rolling a chair out of a store. So the whole thing, it was just silly and dumb. And my lawyers, of course, said, we'll take it all the way if you want to. Or we can just get it all over with for $193. I was yeah. like, all right. But this was my favorite part. They said, but part of the condition is you have to not commit any more crimes for the next six months. Oh, said, well, that's, that's going to be hard, right? I managed to make it 53 years without ever committing a crime. I think I can make it six months longer. So, yes, I held out my, my, <laughs> my normal instinct of wanting to just take things off shelves. Had to quell that for six months. But after that was over with and the whole thing went away. But... It is. It's stuck in people's brains. And I honestly think the name Tim Iman has been branded positively and negatively. 
it's it runs hot and cold. I mean, yeah. people either think what I do is really great and they're really happy with it and they're pretty jazzed about it. And there's people over here can't stand it, think that I'm just this cocky SOB that's just trying to royal royal the waters and all that kind of stuff. And the reality is I'm just like everybody else. I just I want to make a difference in the world. I want to be able to do something that is amazing, that's extraordinary. And there's just something about the initiative process I was drawn to because there's objective rules. Here's the day you start. Here's how many signatures you have to get. If you get enough, then voters vote for it. It becomes law. Call it a day. I, I was very attracted to the uh, objectivity of the process. The normal political process is a snake pit. Yeah, you got to know definitely. that lobbyist. You got to know that politician. You got to know that chairman. You got to suck up to that guy. You got to pay off that guy. You got to get that lobbyist to pay for it. And you may not even succeed for 20, 30 years. Initiative process, a 33-year-old was out there getting signatures, and we got an initiative qualified, overwhelmingly passed, and forced a Democrat governor and Democrat-controlled legislature to pass the largest tax cut in Washington state history. I mean, that's mind-blowing stuff. I mean, that's really fun and neat. And what I thoroughly enjoy about the process also is it's nice when people say, I like what you do. That's that's kind of cool. It's well, the, we do like it's the we do like what you people, do. It's the powerful people that can't stand me, make me feel so much even better that I'm so under their skin that they somehow think that if they can just convince voters that Tim Iman's a bad guy, they'll stop voting for my ideas, and they just can't get it wrapped around their heads that voters don't even most voters don't even know who I am. Well, all they care about is what does the initiative actually do? And I tend to have a nice brain trust of people that says, where's Washington State screwing up the worst? And let's tackle that idea. And because it's like mowing the lawn, the grass starts growing back. Sometimes we have to do $30 tabs again. Sometimes we have to do limits on property taxes again. Sometimes we have to do some of the same ideas over and over again. But that's accomplishing a goal, too. It shows how often our politicians don't even care what we have to say. And so you have to prove to them that we're more persistent than they are. So, the, I mean, we literally could call you the chairman of initiatives then. Since, <laughs> I, love you know. I love it. I love um, we it. We were making so many jokes back then. I said, you've got to go down to Office Depot. I mean, they're almost giving away these chairs. I, I, these, you can get them for a steal. You can absolutely get him for a steal. You should have got a sponsorship. <laughs> oh, it was funny. We were having a great time. It was another one. Uh, um, oh, didn't Isley? Wasn't there? If you Isley seen, said, uh, "Have a seat, just don't take it." What was it? Didn't Didn't Isley say something like, uh, uh, "Have a seat, Tim, just don't take it with you or something"? <laughs> well, he's down there saying that voters were confused. So I wanted to confront him. And so we had this confrontation and I was running for governor as well. And I'm just saying, were the voters confused? Were the voters confused? And clearly he did not want to answer that question. But I had put out a press release saying, I'm going to the press conference and I'm going to confront Inslee. So he had six, seven hours to prepare. Mm -hmm. So he had this all lined up. And it's pretty clear he wouldn't come up with it on his own. He's not the sharpest knife. He's ever. not. Uh, and, but he has plenty of advisors that were all going to say, it'll be funny if you bring up the chair and just say, Tim, why don't you take your seat, you know, but just don't steal it. Then he kept saying it over and over again. And it kind of. Yeah, it's funny the first time. 
Yeah. It was pretty apparent that he was like fed that line. And so he would do it over and over again. Press loved it. But in the comment section on the TV stations and stuff, it said, why is Inslee being such a jerk? Answer his question. What do you mean? The voters were confused. I was never confused. So I think the voters have a mindset that I think uh, a lot of the people in the media and a lot of politicians, they just don't take these people. They, they, they assume people are stupid. And yeah, well, that's, that's who, stuff. that's who ins that's who Inslee is though. He's just an arrogant jerk. I mean, you saw it all through COVID where he could be King Inslee. I mean, that was his chance to be King for a day. He had, Three years of absolute rule of emergency power where he could do whatever he wanted and the people couldn't do shit about it. It was um, it was something else. And that's just a, a great uh, example of what these people will do if they get absolute power. And um, and part of keeping that from them is, is are things like the initiative process and things like, you know, you can't just tax us to death over and over again. And but they think they can. And you've got a little battle going on with the attorney general here in Washington state, Bob Ferguson. It seems like um, not only does he want to stop you from fighting against taxes and, and putting out great initiatives and ideas out there, he wants to personally destroy you. And, um, and, and when you see what's going on, it's, it's, you know, the guy obviously, uh, he, he had a hard time as a kid, I'm sure. And, um, probably wasn't the most popular and probably, you know, was behind the portable a few times on the wrong end of a stick, but, um, now he's, it's like he's taking it out on you personally. Tell me about that. Well, and, and you have to put it in a, in a national perspective. I mean, Bob Ferguson is our state's attorney general. This is the guy who sued Donald Trump like 90 times. So every time he sues somebody, it's a headline in the newspaper. It's great news. He has unlimited supply of money because he's got taxpayer money. So he can sue Trump 90 times. The other thing he likes to do, though, is he'll do lawsuits against his political enemies. So there was this grandmother who had a, uh, a flower shop who didn't want to do a gay wedding. The gay couple didn't care, but Bob Ferguson came bombing in and ended up going after this poor woman and destroyed her. Uh, there was a football coach who wanted to pray after football games. Who finally got his job back and $2 million. Yes. Nicely done. Thank you, Bob. Yep. Uh, so justice has a way of eventually coming around, but seriously, you have nothing better to do with your time than to pick on people that are smaller than you. And here you are. It is the entire power of government. Now with me, I've been doing initiatives for so many years and they've tried everything they could to convince voters to vote no, because Tim, I'm a bad guy and they've failed every single time. So therefore we've got to get rid of them. And it's kind of the whole Al Capone thing. You know, we can't get them on murder. We'll get them on tax evasion. So how do we get Iman? And so what they ended up doing was fabricating this brand new interpretation of a law that's been on the books in the state of Washington for a long time about reporting your campaign contributions. And I saw that they were in the midst of this investigation of me. This has been going on for 11 years. 11 years of my life, investigation, litigation, persecution. We're on appeal right now. Forgive the shameless plug. Timdefense.com is my legal defense fund, so I can pay my lawyer to be able to defend me in this appeal. But what they said was all the money that people were sending me made payable to Tim Iman or Tim Iman Legal Defense Fund that I was using to pay my lawyers and be able to survive during this 11-year siege were all campaign contributions. My lawyer said, 
in order to be a campaign contribution, it has to be spent on a campaign. Did you spend any of this money on a campaign? I said, of course not. I was spending it in order to be able to survive. In order to be a campaign contribution, the check has to be made payable to a campaign. Tim Iman is not a campaign. $30 tabs is a campaign. Income tax is not a campaign. But checks made payable to Tim Iman or Tim Iman Legal Defense Fund is clearly not a campaign contribution. But the final thing that is just weird is I was prohibited because of a, a skirmish that I had with the state some years ago is I'm not allowed to be a treasurer for any initiative. So all reporting is the responsibility of the treasurer. I was clearly not the treasurer for any of these campaigns that were going on during this period of time. We had a CPA, former tax attorney, uh, former IRS commissioner, uh, former IRS investigator was our treasurer. They never even interviewed him. The law says reporting is up is the job of the treasurer, and mm-hmm. the treasurer never reported any of this money because Stan Long knew the law, and the law says you don't report campaign contributions that aren't campaign contributions. So it was just this trumped up, if I dare use the word, trumped <laughs> up lawsuit brought against me, and it really is an exhausting thing. I mean, they, they've taken my house. They drained my bank accounts. I was allowed to keep like $1,500 or something like that. Uh, destroyed my marriage. Uh, I'm living now in Bellevue in a studio apartment because I have a former sister-in-law who's nice enough to allow me to pay sub-sub-sub-market rates. Uh, I haven't earned any money for the last four years because I've been spending all my time raising money for my legal defense fund because what what I'm afraid of is not what he's doing to me is if he gets away with it with me, he's just going to target somebody else and do the exact same thing to them. And I want him to break his pick on me so that he never does anything like this to anybody ever again. Yeah. And you see it more and more is the targeting of political opponents or anybody who thinks differently than you. And it's not, um, it's not coming from the right. It's not coming from the Republican party. It's, It's coming from the leftist communists that are out there that are, becoming more and more radicalized, more and more power hungry, and they, they just can't seem to get enough. And um, it's become where, I mean, they're getting ready to arrest the president of the United States um, on a purely political ploy, uh, is a, on, a, on a, you know, a misdemeanor. And, and we see that on a state level too. We see that here, you know, the show is mostly lo- local, but I have to you know, bring up the fact that, you know, Trump is getting, he's been getting persecuted for almost seven years now. And, um, and they're going to try to slap him with a misdemeanor out of New York so that they can perp walk him for political purposes. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's pathetic, you know, and um, Washington state, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the Republican party in this state, there, there are some good representatives down there in Washington. Um, but a lot of them are just, they're, they're, they're not, Republicans, they may as well just be Democrats. They're rhinos. They vote that way all the time, or they don't have the spine to stand up to the to the system as it is. Um, and then the state Republican Party, financially, they refuse to support any America First candidate. Joe mm-hmm. Kent is a great example. He should have and could have easily won that election down there. And um, and because the the state Republican Party refused to back him, he was kind of stuck with getting uh, you know raising all of his own money. And um, so it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs, but you know we keep fighting the good fight, 
uh, we keep trying Absolutely. to. I mean, and, yeah. and in Washington State, you know, it's like, you know, when you're a hammer, all you see is nails. I mean, the initiative process works. That's why I do it. It works. It works and it works. And that's why I'm so drawn to it. I did actually uh, digress a little bit and I ran for governor uh, in the state of Washington uh, yep. during the cycle because I didn't really see the, you know, the A team on the field. I kind of looked around and went, well, at least I'm at least as plausible as any of these guys. And I thought it would be really fun to have an aggressive campaign against Jay Inslee. I mean, the contrast is really striking. And yeah. and just one of my favorite little analogies I thought quite a bit about was my sport was wrestling. Growing up, wrestling was my sport. Wrestling is a very dirty, in-your-face, sweaty, you know, yeah, in your close face, contact. Close contact fight. Inslee was a basketball player. So this is like the pretty boy versus the gutter fighter. And there was mm-hmm. something about that contrast, that that pretty boy versus the the guy in the gutter willing to get his hands dirty, fighting for regular people. And there were so many areas where I've seen the Republican Party think that by being nice and convincing everybody to like them, yes. that that will get more voters to vote for him. And I always thought to myself, well, you're not making the case to fire the other guy. You're just trying to convince everybody that you're a good guy. You should spend, at least in my view, 0% of your time convincing people you're good until you can convince everybody to fire the other guy. You're just wasting your time. And every candidate I'd ever seen over the years all wanted to be well thought of, all wanted to be respected. They figured, well, I'm probably going to lose anyway, but at least I want to be able to go on the radio and have my credibility and whatever. And as an activist, the last priority is what people think about you. Your job is to get the idea over the finish line and you do whatever it takes. I've dressed up in a gorilla costume before. I dressed up like Darth Vader before. I even had somebody say, why don't I wear the gorilla costume? Because you don't want to lose your dignity, do you? And I said, if I cared about my dignity, I would not be in the snake pit of politics. This is the last place you go to become popular. If you want to make a difference though, this is the only game in town. I, I've heard this great line. It's like politics is like sports and except it matters. Yeah. And it really is true. It's like, this is life and death stuff. This is the future of our country, the yeah. future of our state, the direction, how our kids are going to turn out, how they're going to be educated. This is the whole ball game. And the Democrats yeah. understand that and they're ruthless and they're good at it. And our side is Marcus and, and Queensberry rules, and we're all going to be polite and nice and think that somehow that's going to win. And, it never and you bring up one of my biggest uh, complaints about that is the old school Republican Party, you know, the the dinosaurs that have been there forever. They they play, like you said, by those old rules. And this, my, our minds are on the same wavelength right there. They We cannot continue to play by the same rules or, or different rules and expect to win. They're down there in the gutter. And they're not going to stop and they're going to do everything up to that line of legality and sometimes even across it. And we can't just sit back and get beat. You know, we've got to approach that same line with the same aggressiveness, with the same attitude of we will win at any cost up to a legal threshold. And, you know, uh, ballot harvesting is one, you know, we've got to do it. We can't sit back and say, oh, no, that's horrible. Yes, we want to vote in person. Yes, we want to do all that. 
But in order to get to a point where we can enact that into law, we need to first win. And in order to win, we've got to play. We've got to get down there in the trenches. We've got to play the same game. No more Mr. Nice Guy, you know, and, and get in there with these guys or else they're going to just keep beating us, man. Um, Absolutely. I mean, one of the neat things that happened during this 11 years was I became almost a super activist. I was going to show Bob Ferguson that he didn't slow me down. He just exponentially got me even more motivated to be even more active. And so uh, last year, uh, I joined a group uh, or was invited to join a group that was pushing uh, election integrity initiatives in seven of the key swing states. And we're talking about photo ID to vote, last four digits of your social security number must be provided or else your vote doesn't count. I mean, prove that you're you in order for your vote to count. And we want valid votes to count and invalid votes not to count. This freaked out the opposition. I mean, the idea of a fair election scares the bejesus out of the other side. And so next year in 2024, we're going to target 10 different states. And it's a really, really exciting effort. Uh, for us to be involved with that. And again, I'm not the leader of it. I'm a member of a team, but because we're doing initiatives, obviously I've got a lot of experience with that. And so I can help them and play a role in that. So I'm not just active now in Washington. I'm also working nationally to try and have us have a fair vote where people can have confidence in it in the key swing states uh, in the presidential election in 24. Yeah, definitely. So uh, which kind of brings us to you know, what's, um, you know, there's a couple of things coming up that are, that are pretty big. Um, we have, you know, they keep trying to put a uh, capital gains tax here in Washington, anything they can do to put an income tax on the people, which in, in our state, as you know, is, is unconstitutional. According to our state constitution, they can't tax us on income, but they keep trying to. And then another thing that, that he's working with, uh, they're, they're always trying to push is a worldwide wealth tax. So basically they're going to take our money and give it to, to, to what you know some some climate bs around the world or what well and that's what's so interesting about it is that the a worldwide wealth tax everything you own in the world is going to be valued on december 31st and supposedly the state government is going to tax that and bring the money into the state of washington it's insane to think that any rational, successful individual is not going to do the math and go, you know what? Living in Washington state isn't a great move. Living in California, not a great move. It is financial stupidity for them to stay here. So my testimony on the worldwide wealth tax was you want to take money away from people who earned it and you want to give it to people who didn't. And that is wealth redistribution. That is just absolutely anathema to the entire idea. And I'm trying to emphasize over and over again, these successful people didn't just get handed this money. They earned it. And by earning it, they deserve to keep it. You want to give it to people who didn't earn it. And do you know why you shouldn't give it to those people? Because it's not their money. And I just pounded on it over and over and over again. The capital gains tax, uh, again, Our side, Marcus Queensberry rules, we're not going to get our hands dirty with an initiative. We're going to do a lawsuit. So we're counting on this Supreme Court of Washington State. Nine whack job judges on the Supreme Court are going to somehow come along and save the day for the people of the state of Washington. And we all say to ourselves, but there's 100 years of court rulings that say you can't have an income tax. And we don't Mm -hmm. care what you call it. 
it can't happen. They only need five of these nine wackos to say, but this one's a little different. It's all they need. And I, I listened, I watched the oral argument. It's not looking good for our side. So, and then their foot's in the door, right? Once they get their foot in the door and they, they, they then that's just, that's going to give them an inch and, and they're going to take, you know, 10,000 miles. Absolutely. Uh, the sales tax in the state of Washington is 10% right now. It started at two. So there is no doubt that, as you said, camel's nose under the tent, Pandora's box, pick your metaphor. They just want to wedge in there to say, we're going to start taxing your income. Now, there is an initiative that is out there that would repeal and get rid of this tax, but also ban any other kind of taxes like this. Now, that's the smart way to play it, because then you're going to voters and you're saying to voters, you've said no to an income tax in the state of Washington 10 times. Anybody want to make it 11? I trust the voters a heck of a lot more than I do the nine whack jobs that we've got on the state Supreme Court right now. Most of them are on speed dial with our governor. I mean, there's just there's a reason why Governor Inslee says I'm confident the Supreme Court's going to uphold this capital gains income tax is because he knows these people. He named them. They're bought and paid for. So it seems to me that when you see a problem, you have to think to yourself, how can we fix this? by going to the people and asking the people, no way the people in power are ever gonna give this to you. Here's our chance to do it ourselves. And uh, for all the challenges there are with initiatives, at least it's a realistic way of going about fighting back. You're giving the voters the power to be able to make the decision. And there's something about, I don't know, maybe from a small town like Yakima, maybe the underdog, school of washington state university i mean i pull for the underdog i mean i'm always the guy who's in there and i always think the average voter is going they spent five million dollars convincing everybody to vote no on 30 dollars tabs i think a whole heck of a lot of voters said it's exactly because that group of pigs that are all just feeding at the public trough spending that much money tells me that I should probably vote yes, because this is probably the only chance I'm ever going to have to keep more of my own money because they're never going to give it to me. Yeah. So, so, I mean, and that, that kind of, that kind of brings it, you know, full circle. And as a, as an activist um, on a local level and statewide level uh, that you've been for so long, um, as we start to wrap this up, you know, the fact is we can, we can do very little on a national level as, as our individuals and our organizations here locally. I mean, we can, um, you know, we can try to get ideas out there. We can espouse our opinions and whatnot. But as far as having an effect on a national level, that's very, very difficult for us as individuals to do. So um, I, I'm always preaching, you know, get involved locally, get involved in your school boards, get involved in your city councils, your county councils, um, go to the meetings, give testimony. You're always running up and down I-5 from down to our state capital in Olympia. You're giving testimony constantly. I see you down there all the time. And um and so with that in mind and, and kind of on a generic level so that so that people can look at what they're doing locally is what what sort of um, it, people who have not been involved that want to get involved that, that want to um, help make a difference and help make a positive impact. What can they do? Well, I mean, I am a Johnny OneNote. I mean, uh, 
how do you affect things nationally? You know, these voter integrity initiatives, we targeted the seven key swing states. You know, it's an electoral college. We pick our president not based on the popular vote, but by these key swing states. If it's a fair vote in those states, if it's actually where the valid votes count and the invalid votes don't, you could win an entire national election based on that. That's how Biden stole it. That's how Trump lost it. it so let's clean that up. Uh, we're targeting 10 states in the next cycle. So for me, I'm fighting like heck uh, just to live, to survive, to be able to continue to be politically active. This lawsuit that I have with Bob Ferguson is on appeal. He imposed a $5.5 million fine, a lifetime ban on certain political activity, lifetime Man, I'm 57 years old. I mean, I'm going to live 20, 30, 40 more years. I mean, the idea the rest of my life I can't be politically active is insane. My lawyer tells me this is insane, but we have insane lawyers. I mean, insane judges in the state of Washington that are rubber stamping what the AG is is spouting out. But again, TimDefense.com is my website. Uh, you see all the stuff that I'm doing, but at the bottom it says, help me be able to f continue my fight. Help me be able to fight to elect more freedom-loving elected officials, do citizen initiatives that limits the government's power, lobby against these horrible bills. Help me survive this thing so that what's happening to me, what's happening to my family, what's happened to people that have been close to me, never happens to anybody ever again. I, I got to really make this point. The attorney general did not just target me. Once he destroyed me, he then went after my wife, my kids, my sister-in-law, people that were close to me. I mean, that's what the mafia does. Yeah. I mean, that's how vindictive this attorney general is. And if I could accomplish one thing with this podcast is I want you to understand attorney general Bob Ferguson and the kind of man that he is. He is a small, petty man who is not satisfied just destroying his political enemies he needs to go after their family members in order to send a message that if anybody ever stands in my way this will happen to you next and it's that motivation that keeps me going because i know that if he gets away with, with me he's simply going to just turn on somebody else and yeah, i don't want to throw other people under the bus in order to save myself it's intimidation is what it is i mean and that's what they're trying to do i mean and you, from from the local level, it's interesting you, the way you bring that up, uh, the, the way they um, threw all the J6 protesters in jail without any any bail or without any recourse. I mean, just you see it more and more. They're becoming bolder and bolder. Um, and so so what's what's next for Tim Iman as far as uh, what do you have going on right now? What's on the burner? What are you really going for? And is there is there any way that um, you know people can you know, if they want to help you in some way, um, be it financially or physically through gathering signatures, how do they get involved? Uh, honestly, it is, t you know, honest, every interview, I just say timdefense.com, timdefense.com, timdefense.com. It's all I ever talk about because it is my focus is that if he gets away with being able to take somebody out of the game to where literally they don't have a First Amendment right to be politically active anymore, it's over. Now, the $5.5 is almost comical. Even the Court of Appeals said the lower court judge screwed up because they weren't allowed to present evidence that did Mr. Iman have the ability to pay $5.5 I can't pay 5000 no. 
I mean, they've taken everything that I've ever owned in my lifetime, and I'm wiped clean. Uh, in construction, they say, and getting stripped down to the studs. I mean, there's literally nothing left that they can take from me. And so the $5.5 million, I really hope Bob Ferguson is holding his breath, waiting for the moment where I pay that, because it's never going to happen. I'm not allowed to earn a living. I'm not allowed to earn money. It is literally a financial stranglehold. That's what makes this lawsuit so incredibly important, uh, not just for me, not just for my family, but just to make sure that other people see that someone's being intimidated and instead of backing down, cutting a deal, somehow trying to figure out some way to move to Costa Rica or Idaho or Texas or whatever, instead I stay here because it's my state and I'm not going to let a bully like bully Bob Ferguson force me to stop doing something that I have a First Amendment right to do. And that's to be politically active at something that is my true passion. I mean, it is what I was born to do. And I just have to share this last thing. It's just kind of interesting. My three kids are adopted. I'm adopted. My father was adopted. It's a weird family tradition. But I tracked down my birth parents when I was in my 20s, and it turns out they were both political science majors in major universities. I mean, I literally have politics in my blood. I mean, I am meant to be in the snake pit of politics, and there's something about the initiative process I'm particularly drawn to because it's the one that just sticks in the craw of the people in power the most. And I think it's because it brings them down to our level to where their vote counts like everybody else's vote does. And so my mission in life is to be able to, I've done initiatives for 25 years. I'm going to do initiatives till the day I die. And I'm not going to let somebody like bully Bob Ferguson. I sometimes call him fascist Fergie. It's kind of a, oh, yeah. I kind of juxtapose the two because what is fascism? Fascism is trying to create a system that squelches all dissent. I am the great dissenter. I am, that is all I'm doing is dissenting against a state that is going in the wrong direction that I don't think the majority of voters that are in favor of, but the people that we elect are taking us in a direction that we do not want to go. And I at least want to give voters the opportunity to be able to say, how about this direction instead? How about this one instead? Maybe you don't want to vote for a Republican candidate, but what about this idea though of a worldwide wealth tax? Don't we want to get rid of that? Do you want any kind of income tax in the state of Washington? Absolutely not. I was 53 when we had this evening where I was with my daughter and we were passing the $30 tabs. And they said to me, would you do it again if you had to? And I said, well, I did it when I was 33. I did it when I was 53. I think I'm destined to do it when I'm 73 years old as well. <laughs> I mean, the idea of coming back again and again and again, I think sticks in Bob Ferguson's crawl like you wouldn't believe because I haven't crawled away. I've become even more politically active. I've had to shift the way I do things, but I'm still in the game, in the arena, doing everything I can to try and make a difference. And I think a lot of people get a lot of inspiration from that. But what I really get out of it is the people, the January 6th people, no one knows who they are. So, People aren't probably helping them. I literally have thousands of people that are willing to help me be able to survive this thing over the last 11 years. If I was a regular person, 
I would have been taken out six, seven years ago. I mean, the only reason I'm here is because literally thousands of people went to that website, timdefense.com, and gave money so that I could continue this fight. And as long as I'm alive, I am going to be the most conservative political activist you're ever going to find. All right, man. Hey, that's great. It's been a it's been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time. I know uh, you've got to run there. Uh, probably another drive down I five or something is in your future. I don't know. Um, but um, at any rate, man. Hey, uh, it's timdefense.com is where you want to check it out if you want to help him out. Uh, also, permanentoffense.com will give you a background of what he's been doing for 25 years, as well as different ways to get involved there too. Um, anyway, hey Tim, uh, thanks a lot for for coming on the show. It's been it's been a lot of fun and it's been uh, pretty informative for a lot of people i think well i really appreciate it dan it was a lot of fun great thing to talk about i mean it is the passion of my life so obviously i love talking about it but there's so many different things that we can talk about uh on this topic and i hope we can maybe do it again yep definitely hey again thanks a lot um you have a great day and and we'll, we'll talk to you soon thank you man yep Hey, uh, that was uh, Tim Iman on the Nun Report uh, with our first uh, interview in studio. I appreciate him coming on. Um, again, go to uh, timdefense.com or permanentoffense.com. So you've got offense and defense there. You can catch them on both sides. And make sure to do so if you want to get active uh, in, in the initiative process or get help him remain active in the initiative process. Make sure that you do. Anyway, hey, thanks for Thanks for listening. If you're just on the radio, renegaderadio.com or any of the podcast channels that I'm on, make sure to check me out on rumble.com slash the men report. You can watch the whole video where we throw up a bunch of receipts and a lot of laughs and things like that. All the socials at the nun report, except TikTok because I don't do that commie BS or just go to my website, the nun report.com. It's one stop, one shop. You can click right in to anywhere you want to go for anything. That's none better for you. Um, anyway, Hey, Thanks again for watching, and as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers.